Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Elton Jeffrey, and today I have the one and only Emma, the posing pro. So she's actually, so we first met when I went to her in Birmingham for one of my first ever posing lessons. And my God, has she taught me some foundations? You would have heard me talk about her quite a few times and recommended her, but she's a really good friend of mine now as well. She's been so supportive of everything that's been going on with me. Um, so I'm super excited to have her on because there's the amount of times we've tried to kind of get this date sorted and then we've been super busy so lockdown's kind of been like a blessing in that sense but welcome so so much to podcast thank you for coming on thank you so so much for having me and yeah finally we got around to making this happen and I'm just trying to think like what year was it that we first came across each other was it well I want to say like was it maybe like 17 2017 yeah, do you know what it would have been? Because 2018 yeah. was my last prep season, and then the year before I came to yeah. you in my off-season. Yeah, 2017. Oh my God, that's three years. We're in it for the long run. <laughs> I still remember going to Starbucks before our first one. I, was, I remember seeing something in the Instagram story like, can someone bring me a coffee? And I was like, you brought me a coffee. I brought you a coffee. You're straight, straight in the good books when you bring me a coffee. If anybody ever wants to get a gold star straight away, bring me a coffee. It's an absolute winner. What's this typical Starbucks order, though, so no one messes it up? Okay, right, okay. Just, you never get it wrong. It is vente americano with two shots of sugar-free hazelnut, room for milk but no milk, two ice cubes, and a straw. I love how like, particular that is. People, write that shit down. You're welcome. Write it down. Make a note. If you want to get in the Pose and Pros good book, bring me that coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so for people that don't know who you are, just give a brief overview. Um, yeah. If you don't follow Emma already, I really would because her story, like getting to where she is now, is just like in incredible it's so aspirational as well um, especially for myself so yeah give people a brief overview of who you are and how you've got to this point in your life yeah absolutely so I am an ex-professional dancer trained in contemporary here in Leeds where I live and then moved to New York and studied hip-hop over there my training and my dance career is a very strong foundation of what I do today um, I stopped dancing when I was 27 and I crossed over into fitness and personal training. Off the back of that, I decided to compete in a show and that was in 2013 when I did my first show and I competed in the Navo UK. Had never watched a show, hadn't really done much research. There was no posing coaches, there was no prep coaches, there was no Instagram, YouTube was very sparse. Yeah. And I uh, didn't place, but had an absolute ball, was literally like a sponge in the, in the first show, and just soaked everything up, watched the girls, saw the other girls, realized that there was so much more to it. I mean, the tan was not right, the bikini was not right, the makeup, the stage presentation, but somehow managed to win best presentation. So I kind of knew I was onto something. Obviously, the dance played a huge part in that. Yeah. And from that point on, from 2013, for three years, I did not miss a competitive season. So I competed. So then you, there was like um, a season on either side of the year. So there was like a spring season and an autumn season. Mm-hmm. And I did both. I did both. Mm-hmm. Gradually just progressed, worked on my physique. Hindsight, 
probably should have done an off season and I maybe would have progressed a little bit quicker, but just not my mindset. I'm someone once, you know, once the foot's on the gas, I'm sticking to it and I'm sticking to it until I achieve what I want to do. So took me three years to win a show. Up until then, you know, which was just working my way up the ranks. And when I won my first show in 2016, it was ironically the the same first show that I ever did in 2013. I'm still in home figure. After that, I went on to win. So I um, placed first in the UK. Then I took the British title. And then I decided to take myself off to Brazil to compete in the Nava World, uh, kind of as like the, the, the underdog almost, uh, because there was someone else who won the universe who was chosen to go. Went to the Nava World and was going with a hope of making top six would have been fantastic. Top three would have been an absolute dream. Um, at this stage, I started working with a mindset and performance coach so we very much worked on my mentality uh how i was approaching training the, the the whole aspect of getting ready to compete and that really shifted my energy and um i just went all in i've had a few personal things that happened to me just before i won my first show my my dad passed away and i found that bodybuilding was a real support mechanism for me mm -hmm. so I just fully immersed myself in it so it was a really great way it was almost like my mum went to church I went to the gym so it really became something um cathartic for me and um so yeah so I really think that combined with the the mindset side of it really played a part in how I approached the you know the the, the, the world in Brazil and I was on stage and they called out top six. I thought, oh, fantastic. I'm in top six. Amazing. Um, maybe I'll get like, you know, six, I'll probably get sixth place. You know, I'm stood on stage with the Brazilians, the Spanish, yeah, all, all of the girls. And they were phenomenal. And um, they called six to third. And I thought, oh, I'm in third place. Fantastic. Amazing. Called third place, Natalie McKenna from the UK. Okay. I got second. Even better, absolute dream, called second place. And I was like, sorry, what? What the? And I totally like completely unexpected, but I'm one of those people. I go into whatever I um, do, I have a really realistic goal almost. So I, in my head, I was like, I've done everything I can. I'm absolutely bringing my best. It's, it, in my opinion, when I won the world, it was probably my best tone figure package today mm -hmm. and um i think because i just worked so hard on it and everything it just kind of come together at the same time that i, I was at my peak as a tone figure competitor mm -hmm. and um clearly it paid off and, and i was confident on stage you know i'd really got the craft the posing was was on point everything just came together really really nicely and Hey, I won. So that was phenomenal. So after that, at that stage, I started to organically work with people for posing because I was, I kind of built a reputation more off the back of the posing routines. Mm -hmm. And I had other female athletes come to me that were either like tone figure or, or bodybuilders. I, had, I worked with Rosie Rascal before I even started competing on her routine. Okay. So, um, I was just organically building the momentum. And when I was starting to work with 
the the female athletes. As we were working through that, and because I just say to them, well, you kind of show me what your poses are, and I'll kind of piece it all together. Because as a dancer, you've got to be versatile and, and adaptable like that anyway, because when I dance, I get everything from contemporary to hip-hop to salsa to being a Moulin Rouge showgirl. So I was always adapting and changing my eye to different styles. And so I then started to look at the, the bodybuilders of the female athletes that I was working with. And, and I started to go, oh, maybe just try this. And it might just make your pose look a little bit better. And oh, why don't you try putting your foot here instead of here? And then naturally, I just kind of started to just, evolve on that yeah naturally progress on that a little bit more um and then organically again just more and more people started to come to me and then i started to think okay well i'm I'm kind of getting this whole posing thing maybe i can start to offer that so that started i mean like i started out charging 20 quid and then i worked with more people and and my craft got better and i started to research it more and then i you know I was still competing at that time, so I was obsessed because I was thinking, I started to bring, because I was learning different styles, I was all, and, and because Tone Figure's quite free, mm. I was starting to incorporate big, like bikini poses into Tone Figure and taking something that maybe the train figures are doing and making it a little bit more Tone Figure. So, and, and then, so like, it was almost like my posing vocabulary started to grow as well and and then I kind of got to a crossroads in um how long have I been in my studio now 21 19 about 2018 and I got to a crossroads where I thought I'm at the top of my game with PT because I was personal training at the time charging as high as I could in Leeds um fully booked with a waiting list but wasn't my passion not really mm-hmm. um and obviously the posing, the posing's coming on par with that. So now I'm like, I need to make a decision. So I sat down with my uh, my business coach, who's also my mindset coach and my lifestyle coach, Rob Lassie. And I said to him, I need to make a move here. Like I need to decide to progress one way or another. And obviously I want to go down the posing route, but it's a big risk. What about if I take, I wanted to get my own space. You know, that's a cost in itself. And I didn't have any savings. Um you know, I'm still I'm still living in in like a shared accommodation. I had was I um, was I driving? I'd literally just passed my driving test. I was 30 years old, and he was like, "We're doing this. Take the studio. Let's look at the logistics. You can do this." It's like Emma, you only need to cover with something like eight posting sessions a month to cover my rent. And I was like, "Okay, when we break it down like that, then I, I can do this." And I think. As a business owner or, you know, everything falls on your shoulders, when you're put to the test, that's when you dig in deep. That's when you go, okay, I'm not failing at this. I'm going all in. So I got myself a little studio, um, got some PT stuff in there, but mainly set up the opposing side of it so I could really work on that as well. And I just started to kind of push the PT down and then cross over and bring the bring, bring the posing up. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, and I really committed to it, and I launched the brand, so to speak, in regards to the posing pro, and, and it was kind of born, and I made it, you know, a brand, and it was there on social media. Then I just thought, and then I just went in. I just had to just give, give, give plenty of content, and luckily, you know, word of mouth happens, and people refer to you, and then I started judging, which then also really helped. 
And from then onwards, really, the business has just grown and grown and grown. So, and then here we are today, you know, I get to work across the country, internationally, Ireland, Vienna, just recently Dubai, you know, the next, there's always bigger goals, there's more things I want to achieve. So, you know, the next goal, America. Why not? Why not? Yeah. So that kind of brings us kind of like a, a quick, fast track backstory on, on the Posen Pro, really, and me. You've missed one important bit, though. You have <laughs> One other important bit. Um, yeah, so whilst I decided to open my own studio, I also decided to come back and compete. And when I did that, I started to work with Jordan Peters. He, he was, I always said, you know, when I decide to step up into a new category and come back to the stage, because I took a year out and I worked with my friend Michaela and we launched Sat Squad. We did, we did get posing for a full year for PCA and body power, had a great time. And then I was like, I'm, I need to get back on stage now. Like I need to come back and compete, which came like, it was exciting, but it was also a, a pressure because now I'm kind of at a stage where, oh, I've got a bit of a following, like people are going to be watching, you know, so that was the pressure, but typical me under pressure, just, you know, bunker down, get the job done. Uh, I literally just spent my days, uh, wake up, check in, do my training, spend all day in the studio, go home, prep my meals, do my second training session. And then sit and do emails till like one in the morning. Yeah. It was like Groundhog Day for about nine months. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it paid off. The first show that I came back and did was TCA 2008. What are we in now? 20? 2019? 18. 2018. So I got the, I took the, the first ever PCA Athletic Figure Pro card. So their Figure Pro card, which was phenomenal. Probably one of my probably my most favorite show to date and then after that went on to take my ISBB figure pro card as well so it was a super super successful yeah like the business and and the, the pro cards and then did that and and I kind of feel like now I'm in a place where I've got the, I've got the pro card it's not going anywhere yeah. but now I'm like 34 years old, you know, let's just focus on this. Yeah. Forget how old you are. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's just now it's just really just about the brand and just taking it as far as I can. You know, I built the website, uh, which offers, you know, I think it's probably the only, I'm, I don't know if I'm the only posing coach to offer online tutorials where people can learn at a really accessible rate to, to learn from me and, you know, improve their skills. And it's just really about taking the posing pro as far as I can now. And yeah, so yes. That takes us to current times. I still remember 2018, you doing Instagram Live, doing the Stairmaster. You know what? That live used to get me through 30 minutes on the Stairmaster. Yeah. And it just used to talk. I just knew, like, sometimes someone was on there. And I just talked to myself. But (laughs) somehow it got me through. Like, yeah. It was, that's, if you want to get through your time on the Stairmaster, go live. And also, it makes you work harder. That's true. That's You've true. got to step and talk at the same time. That's a skill in itself. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you, like that 2018 year when you had obviously incredible competing successes in that whole sort of time, how did it feel when you know, you've been working on your mindset to envision getting these goals, but 
it must have felt very, very surreal once it kind of happened. Like, how do you, how do you kind of yeah. process that, if that makes sense? And what do you do when, I don't know, did you plan further ahead? Is that kind of the way that you dealt with it? Because I know some people, they're like, I want the pro card, I want the pro card, I want the pro card. And once they get it, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I've never ever one of those people that get blues after a show. I sometimes, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes when I am on stage and I love being on stage, it's it's, it's my passion. I always feel like oh, I need more time up there. Give me more. It was so quick, you know. But for me, it was I didn't really actually anticipate getting the pro card so quickly. And in my head, again, typical me, you know, let's set some realistic goals. And, and to be honest, when I, when I decided to go into prep for, um, to, to go into IFBB figure, at the very beginning, I was like, oh, I actually don't think I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm good enough to be an IFBB figure competitor right now. But, you know, as I progress through the prep, I'm very good at, you know, critiquing myself and going, right, this needs to be better and this needs, and, and, and all, I'm good at looking, typical dancer, Almost look at your choreographer, emulate them, copy them, move exactly like them. That's kind of what I did. I like looked at the pros, looked at myself. What have they got that I've not got? Okay, can I improve on that in this time? You know, if you put your if you put your mind to it, you really, really can. And that's just exactly what I did. So I even had a conversation with Jordan after after I got the pro card and he said to me, you know, I was worried. He said, I obviously was never going to say that to you, but I was worried in the beginning that, you know, your front pose wasn't going to be strong enough or, or good enough for figure. Um, but look, like, luckily as I progressed, the, the shape came in and, it, and, it, and it, it was what it was. But for me, yeah, as I said, I, I didn't anticipate getting the pro card so quickly. And in my head, I was kind of like, well, I'll get on stage with the, with the figure girls and myself in the lineup and that's what I always said a lot because I, I obviously I had I felt like there was there was a, a pressure of people you know well what am I going to do what show is she going to do when she's coming back you know and so I wanted to make it really clear to people that I'm not going into this thinking I'm going to win I'm going into it thinking I'm bringing my absolute best that I can at this time everything that is in my control I'm going to manage and uh, it, 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 what I will bring will be absolutely everything that I'm capable of Will that be enough to get a pro card? I don't know. But am I expecting a pro card? No. Yeah. I was thinking like I'd do that season. And in my head, I actually wanted to do some PCA figure pro shows. And that was completely ruled out for me because I literally got the, I got the PCA pro card in the May at Body Power. And then by the June, I had the IFBB pro card. <laughs> so like after that, as I said, I hadn't anticipated getting it, so and I hadn't didn't really have a, a pro plan. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, got it. But I knew as well, in order to be competitive in the pro league and figure, that's a huge step up. Like that step up is no joke. There's a massive difference between an amateur going pro and being competitive in the pro league. So I knew I had work to do, like I knew I needed to get bigger, uh, uh, quite a bit bigger. Um, the shape was there, but I just needed more of it. So <sighs> competed, got the pro card, wasn't entirely sure what my plan was. And then I started to think, okay, let me set, let me kind of set some plans to, to get the ball rolling, to do a pro debut. And then Pose and Pro grew 
and grew and grew. And I kind of was like, I don't think I can run around the country and take the podium pro where I want it to go and do what I need to do training-wise to get the mass that I need. I'm on the road a lot. Like, up until recently, you know, I, I, I'm every single week, I'm in a different location. Yeah. You know, I literally leave my boyfriend's house on a Wednesday. I don't return home till a Friday. And I'm either in Ireland, in London, uh, I'm in Birmingham, I'm in Newcastle. And that's what I needed to do to be successful with the business. So I kind of feel, feel like I've got the pro card and I, I know I've got it. Like I'm successful at that. So I kind of feel like I've ticked the box. Mm. And now I'm like, well, now I want to be successful at this. So now my primal focus is, is on the business, you know? Um, and I'm only going to get one shot at this. And I don't want to do it half-hearted. I don't want to be like 75% successful. I want to take it to fucking 100%. Yeah, and that's what I'm going to do. I just remember we having that conversation in Vienna, like the random time that we were both in Vienna at the same time. Very, very strange. Same gym, very odd. Um, very random. <laughs> but I remember us talking about, I guess, some people's expectations in regards to competing and running a business. I think sometimes it's difficult to try and explain to people. It's very, very, you can't, it's very difficult to try and do both. Like, something is going to have to give and you don't as you said you don't want to do something half-hearted and I think that's why people like ourselves are not as like next season let's go 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 because there's a lot more like we can't not like fall back but sometimes I hear some of my other friends who compete say well it's fine like if I don't do like a great month then it's fine like it's just an admin job so I can still fall back Mm -hmm. in it I'm still going to get paid that's when when you run your own business if you don't do a good month who the fuck's paying the bills? Yeah. We don't we don't get a salary regardless, you know? Mm-hmm. So I and and it's 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 just a different ball game and you right, we know ourselves with prep. You wanna give a hundred percent to that. I don't I, I like my uh, my feet don't touch the ground with the pose and pro. Um and it maybe if I was just based in Leeds, no problem. I've got my stairmaster in my studio. I've got I've got kit in there so I could train in there, but not when I'm running around the country every single week, going somewhere else and getting on flights. And you know, I, I tried it like I, I did it the year before, but I was nowhere. Well, I did it in 2018, but I just moved into the studio. You know, um, and the balance was different. Um, so for now, competing's on on pause. And I feel fine with that now. Definitely, I think in the beginning it was it was a, a a hard shift for me because all I've known is train compete, train compete, train compete. And you know, in the past year, training's had to take a back seat. I haven't been like when I was in prep and working towards the the, the pro cards. You know. I'm not doing anything else but work and train, work and train. And, you know, now with everything that I have going on, you know, the website and, you know, emails and running the business and then adding female force on top of that as well. It, I would just, some days, some weeks, I get two sessions in the gym. Yeah. And it's a choice. 
I get, I got, and I've had this conversation with um with my business coach as well, and I've said like, I have to make a choice. I have to make a choice. Do I answer these emails that are going to elevate my business, or do I put them to one side and they wait till tomorrow and I go and train at the gym? I'm really sorry, but now my focus is to be successful in this realm. And when, when the pros and pros in a position where it can maybe take over by itself and I don't have to maybe be in the studio as much and there's, there's other elements of it, then I can think about getting back to the stage. But for now, I want to be successful at this. Yeah. And you can apply the same things as competing into your business and by then And I think that's exactly what I'm trying to say. It's like... I'm tunnel vision when I'm focused on something and that I will sacrifice other things to make this one thing successful. Did it when, when I was in prep, you know, tunnel vision. I was training, gym, work, home, sleep, eat, do it again. And now it's like I'm working. I'm working all of the time. And so if I haven't got time to go to, to, go to the gym, I'm, I, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, exactly. The section I want to go into is your it's your game to be honest it's the posing game so do you see common issues Woo! Alexa, so do you see common issues across and let's talk just about like females so see do you see some common issues across bikini competitors figure competitors wellness competitors or is it just all female competitors have this general same sort of issue does that make sense yeah 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 um i would say it's generic and the generic thing is um, flow in the lats. Usually, usually as well, like foot position on on the front pose or the or the back pose, either feet too wide or bending the knees too much. But the most common number one error that I just see a lot is the lats, and that's because it's hard for people to to learn how to do it themselves. And there is a real technique and foundation of how we flare the lats and the mechanics of it. Mm -hmm. And that's taken me like two, three years to really master. Um, so I don't think there's other platforms or other people that really understand the mechanics of how everything moves. So I think that's why a lot of people, they, they struggle with it. And also people, they copy what they see on social media or, or on other posing coaches or whatever. And then bad habits develop. And, you know, the arms are too high and they're flapping around. And so that's, that's the most common mistake. So even, even with figure and like wellness, obviously wellness is different because there's not really a lap spread on there. It's really about the lower half. So that's the most common mistake is probably that people turn their toes out too much instead of rotating the quads out. And in figure, I would say probably still um, lats, lats and top line and really making sure those shoulders are the highest, widest point. Um, that would be the main thing. It's interesting with the lat spread, isn't it? Because I spoke about this. I don't remember which podcast it was on. But I would say a few years ago, yes, like in some cases you needed to flare that, like you could get away with not doing it. Whereas I would say pretty much now, any bodybuilder in South Federation, you can't skip it out, like you've got to learn it. Do you know what as well? I think as well over the past couple of years, like bodybuilding in itself has just catapulted, you know, like when I first started, as I said, when I first started competing, no such thing as a posing coach. Yeah. No such thing as an online prep coach. It just it just wasn't there. And I think now because the popularity has grown so much, with that 
the, the competitiveness has grown more. So, and people want to get ahead of other people. And you, and I think when I first started, it was kind of like, well, you just kind of figure out how to do it. And because the competition wasn't that vast, it didn't really matter if you didn't have it. But now, because, you know, there's so many more athletes and they, there's so many people getting it right, but also getting it wrong. And now I really feel like, you know, posing's really up there and people realize how important it is. And also being able to see the, the difference between getting it right and getting it wrong. Um, I remember having a conversation with uh, Rosie Rascal, Rosie Hart, and she, she said to me in the studio, she went, before you came along, no one cared about posing. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I don't think anyone's really, really got into it and understood it and broke it down and broke it down as well to beginners and amateurs. Yeah, the pros, because they're pros and that's their art form and they love it. And that's their craft. But I don't think there's really been anyone who's been delivering it to the masses almost. Mm-hmm. So I, I think as a, as a whole, it's got better. The standard's high. Like some of my first timers, they come to me a year out and when they come to me a year out I know they're going to step on that stage and they're not they're going to look like they've been on or they've been competing for I don't know like a year two years wow. because they so people are coming in they're hungry they're they're um they want it they want to soak it up they want to understand it they want to be the best and there's more and more of those people so it makes the other people go oh I need to, I need to do that as well is it funny looking at when um, people go, oh, put like your, I nominate you to put your first stage photo up. And then you see these first timers, I'm like, screw you, my first photo. Yeah, my, oh my God, my first stage pictures, like, I get the, the, the craziest responses when I put those up now because the first timers that I have in the studio now, and when they look there on stage, I would have no chance next to them. If it was them as a first timer and me, I'd be blown out of the water, you know, like the, that's, that's what I mean. Like the levels are crazy now. And also I think something else that plays a huge part in that is that there's so much more information out there as well. Yeah. You know, like even when you started, like what was it, 2017, 18? 18, I think. Yeah, 18. 18 when you started. There wasn't really that much available to learn from. I mean, there was Audrey. Audrey Kakai, um, can never pronounce her surname, but when I first started posing coaching, she was like the pinnacle, you know, she was the, the lead in posing coach. In all, all fairness, she mainly worked with fitness modeling, but there was no one, no one taught posing, really. It's yeah. mad how much it's changed. It's actually quite scary as well. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the business, you know, like the the in, like, and that's because the industry's just grown so much, which is amazing. It's, it's you know, never did I ever think that I would end up with a business that is this successful. And I'm teaching, even when I say to people now, they go, "What do you do?" I kind of go, first of all, I've got a coaching company, and they go, oh, "Okay, yeah, what what do you do? What kind of coaching?" I'm like, "Yeah, I teach bodybuilders to pose," and they're like, "Oh, okay." Uh, that's a bit random. I'm like, yeah, but believe it or not, there's a real niche there for it. So, in people's reactions, like when you say, yeah, I just have one, I just have a store from competitors and I have a podcast and I'm in the internet. Yeah, like, you're, you, what do you do? I sell glass slippers. <laughs> no, I, I do, um, I try and get a bit more reaction. Like, I, I sell a strip of heels. They're like, what? 
That's it. That's even better. <laughs> so good. So, what sort of advice would you give to people if they're trying to develop like certain habits, uh, whether they're first timers, amateurs, pros, regardless of federation? Like, what mm-hmm. sort of top line habits would you say are kind of the best thing to do if they're wanting to get their posing like to that level? I think it's really a case of train your eye. I think that's one of the most valuable tools that any athlete can do. Because once you start to train your eye, you really start to understand the, the fundamentals and what you're trying to achieve and showcase. And I think a lot of athletes don't do that. Uh, I think if you can understand exactly what you're trying to present and you can kind of, you know, compare that to what you're presenting and maybe where you're going wrong, then if you can identify that, then you've got more chance of correcting it. Bad habits, you know, with these bad habits, it's so difficult because the only way to get, get rid of them, you have to override them. So it's like anything, when you've got a habit, it's, it's, a, it's a dendrite, which is it, it's something that's ingrained in the brain. And in order to override that, you have to build a new dendrite that is stronger. So how I kind of always explain it is, imagine, Every day you walk through the same field. When you first started walking through it, the grass was this high. Now that grass is flat and you've got a direct route. But it took you a fair amount of time to get that route completely flat. Mm-hmm. That is a dendrite. Now you have to now do a completely new path and build a new dendrite. So it's repetition. You have to be strict with yourself and you have to repeat, 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 call yourself out. And one of the best ways to do it is to record yourself, watch back, critique, go again, record, watch back, critique, go again. And just do that again and again and again and again. And almost imagine you're like a dancer and you've been taught a specific step and you cannot move on until that step is correct and you get it correct like three times over. And, and, it's, and that in itself, again, is a skill because I think it's hard unless you have, unless you have that background or that skill or you've kind of been taught that and maybe in a, in a, in a different craft, uh, then you can apply that. But if that's something that's completely new to you, it's kind of, you, you've got to figure that out first. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, be, be strict with yourself, train your eye. I always recommend, you know, if you're trying to learn and emulate what you should be doing correctly, watch the pros. Or always, you know, aim high. Watch the pros, see what they're doing. Uh, don't, don't get sucked into watching other people on social media and, and just copying them. Understand why you're doing something. You know, the most common mistake, the arms are too high because people are trying to flare the lats. Well, how do we actually flare the lats? Do we flare the lats by moving the arms? Do we flare the lats by moving the shoulders? Yeah. Do we know that? No, uh, you know, we flare the lats by moving the shoulder blades. It's as simple as that. So technically the arms shouldn't really move. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's understanding, I always say to everyone in the studio, whatever you do, there is a purpose for everything. If the foot is here and it's bent and it's on the toe, it's for a reason. So you've got more of a bend in the knee. Mm-hmm. If you're lifting underneath the glute and you're arching in the lower back, it's for a purpose. It's so you replicate or you have balance between the lat and the shoulder and the glute and the waist. You know, just understand what you're doing. Yes, you're exactly. And that's what I remember. You teach me the lap activation. I was like, I'm going to get this. I'm not going to get this. And I went. And you know, you know what? Yeah. Even like now, when I look back, even my skills improved. You know, like I was still, I didn't walk into this as a, as a posing pro. Yeah. You, you know, I had to really build on my own skill and 
I had to figure it out. And now I guarantee anyone, anyone who's got an issue with a lat or activation, I'll fix it. Yeah. Like I've put money on that. And now I'm so confident in my skills, I can correct anyone, you know. But that's something that's taken time and, and, and I've had to learn about it and break it down and understand it and teach it all, learn it almost like for me it's a new technique. Yeah. I still remember, like, it, the moment it clicked, I was like, oh, I did it, I did it, I did it. And then I kept going, and I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, it did click, guys. Just keep freaking it, Oh, my God, yeah. And you know what? It just takes time, patience, and perseverance. But, you know, we do get there eventually. Yeah, definitely. And one kind of memory I've got from, um, like, first, not from the first time, maybe the second or third time I came to you, is when I was quite close to show. And we practiced, like, we had this routine, and it was nailed. And I remember saying to you, Emma, the back of my hip glutes, like, I've still got a bit of cellulite, like, I'm getting lean, I don't know if I can glute pop. And I remember you just being like, right, that's it, change it round. And you just, you just you knew exactly what to do within, like, two seconds. And yeah. just changing that glute pop to a side shot, it was, like, yeah. such a big game changer. But because you gave me the foundation... I almost felt like I was able to kind of, you know, like everything's in like blocks. I was like, I felt yeah. like I was able to take up that block and just slip another one in. And that's what yeah. I feel like now because, yeah. because you broke everything down so easily and gave me those foundations. Even when I went from freaking PCA to two rows to Mammy Pro, I couldn't have done that without having those foundations that you gave me because I just went, right, I just need to take this block out and I need to put a different one in and it's absolutely fine. Like, don't worry about it and don't panic. Because some people, kind of don't get taught that and then they're like they kind of freeze on stage i see this quite a lot when people say for example like they've got to change their front post because someone can't see their number because they've only been taught that one thing they free you can see the people that have been taught it's okay you go out and you go back in and you can see the people that haven't and they freeze because they're like Mm -hmm. i don't know what to do haven't been taught Mm -hmm. what to do do you know what i mean yeah and that's where like you know, there's, there's, there's two elements of that. Like, as an athlete, it's your responsibility to do your research, you know? Be prepared for that. Go and watch shows and get, get obsessed. That's, that's where you get, you know, you get your winners and you get your people that take part. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people that really, really want it and they, they want to win and they're so desperate and hungry for it, they're the people that go and do that. Like, you know, they, they go, okay, let me be prepared for this. But the people who aren't quite there yet, they, they, they're not prepared. They're not prepared for that, you know. But that's, yeah, it's, it's, the basics and fundamentals are so, so important because once you've got that really strong foundation, I know, and I always say that to people, I'm like, master these basics and fundamentals, forget about the presentation, forget about the fluff and the flappy arms, yes. forget it, nail this. And once those foundations are so strong, then we can start to think about style and presentation and personality. But initially, it's like, I always say, a ballerina, the first thing she learns, a plie. What is the first thing she does when she's a prima ballerina? She's going to step out on that Royal Opera House stage. When she's warming up, what is the first thing? A plie. What is the first thing she does in every single class, technique class? A plie. She'll end with grangettes across the stage or triple pirouettes. But her basics and fundamentals are exactly the same. And that's how I treat posing. It is exactly the same, you know. You, um, the stronger your foundations are, the, the, the more adaptable, the better athlete and poser you'll be. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So where do you see the posing, I guess, styles? 
do you see them kind of evolving or do you kind of have any predictions to where they're going to go maybe next year or you know a couple of years on the line i think um I think with, you know, your bodybuilding federations, like the posing styles can only progress, progress so much. And I think kind of like the, like the figure, it goes in cycles. So you tend to find, you know, um, say for example, a, a show is starting and the bikini girls, they look very bikini, they're soft, you know, they're, they're full, they're not carrying heaps of muscle, there's not heaps of condition. And then, you know, the next season, the girls get a little bit leaner. And the next season, the girls then get a little bit harder, a little bit more muscular. Um, and then by the end of it, you know, like the last British finals at PCA, I was like, wow, these bikini girls are shredded. Like they were so lean. Yeah, I mean, it's a good look. I love it. But it does make you question, you know, okay, is this bikini? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that goes in a cycle. And I think posing almost does the same, you know, some feds, and I think each fed as well has their own posing criteria. Like you kind of know with PCA, NABA, UKUP, they generically have the same kind of posing style and they're quite free in their posing. Mm. Um, UKBFF, very particular style. UKBFBA, very particular, quite strict. Two bros, completely different style of posing. Um, and I think, I think if anything, for me, two bros will probably keep evolving because it is evolving. I'm watching it evolve. And the pros really dictate that. That's why I say always look at your pros. In regards to the other feds, um, I can't really see the posing styles progressing so much that they're different Mm -hmm. to what they are now. Um, And, you know, I think that it may just be a case of you just have to know what fits each pocket in each federation. Yeah, but if you've got the foundations and it's not as intimidating. Exactly, you've got the foundations, you can adapt to any kind of posing style. Yeah, because that was one of the biggest questions I got. Everyone was like so confused with my um, competing season last time. It's like, you did PCA and then you just do two bros next week and then you literally ended it with like the fitness and fashion. Like, why did you do that? I was like, because I I just felt like I could just freestyle it and I had the confidence to do that, whereas sometimes you have to like, not straight away and that yeah that comes with that comes with time and experience and age I think as well you know when you get older and you kind of find yourself a little bit more and you're more confident with yourself like I feel like now I could adapt to any style and do them well whereas maybe earlier on when I was younger and I first started in 2013 I couldn't adapt it to each style because I wouldn't have known what the hell I was doing, you know, and I probably didn't have the confidence or the personality maybe to complement each style. But I think if you, you get older and you get more experience, you uh, there's something that switches and changes inside of you. Yeah, and I think as well, it's not, it's not, okay, it's not taking it as seriously, but at the same time, it's not taking it as seriously. I think once you kind of have a bit more fun with it, then yeah. that makes a difference with me. Um, yeah me anyway like I just felt like the the moment I was like screw this I'm just gonna have fun and remember why I started this I felt like my posing got better because I was a bit more yeah you were just tense about it yeah yeah exactly I think that makes a difference as well so yeah and I think you know what sorry I think as well that's like it's different for everyone because I think that comes down to your own personal goals with competing like me I'm going into a show going into a show do you know what I mean? i'm going on there and i've got i've got a purpose i've got a goal i'm not on there to have fun 
so that's why like everyone's goal is different and um uh, and i have fun but you know i'm i'm on there because i want to fucking i want to i want to absolutely nail it and bring my best you know um so so yeah i think every everyone's goal is personal to them and if you want to get on stage and have fun and not take yourself too seriously then that's absolutely fine yeah i feel like i go through phases and i'm like yeah i want a hundred percent I think as well with you as well though, just because I know you, you, I think sometimes it's, you don't want to put, you, if you put too much pressure on yourself, but then it takes out that, that relaxed feeling and enjoyment of it. Yeah. Whereas for me, I enjoy the pressure because it makes me, it, it, it's something, it's a switch that's in my head. Yeah. But if you know you want to go and have fun and you want to take the pressure off and that's what you need to do but you actually get on stage and you present yourself better so that's what you do yeah you know? if i get too much inside my own head that's it uh, game over yeah. i feel like yeah 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 I, and i think that is a maturity thing as well yeah. you've got to know yourself to do that i look back to when i the first time i remember always getting the first call out and then never place it and i met, i just i don't know what it, i just think for me getting the top threes and kind of getting up the ladder, it was when I just relaxed and I was like, Jazz, yeah. chill, man. You've got like, yeah. I was too much thinking, I haven't worked hard enough, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, how do I actually do? Like, I just need yeah. to relax and enjoy this now. And I do yeah. feel like once I did that, my place has got better. I don't know if that's yeah. just kind of like coincidence. But yeah. It probably did, because you probably just, you know, allowed yourself to just relax and enjoy it and what will be will be. Yeah. But as I say, and as you say, like, it doesn't, that's not the case for everyone. Like, don't feel like you've got to have that mentality. If you, yeah. you've got to find what makes you work best. And if yeah. you put yourself yeah. under too much pressure and then you don't actually perform well, then you need to know what you need to do to bring your best. Yeah, definitely. So if you could kind of narrow it down to three key moments in your past, in your background that kind of pushed you further. You mentioned about your dad passing away when you were in prep and I can kind of relate to that because my granddad passed away when I was in prep and it's a very weird you I don't know about you you feel like you're in a very different headspace when you've got the prep kind of side and then you you're kind of are breathing at the same time like how did you use that to fuel you and kind of push you in a positive direction because yeah. like, I felt myself more focused and kind of in my own little bubble but in a good way because I felt like prep was giving me more time. Because I was with myself a lot more, I was. I felt like I was giving myself more time to kind of process what had mm -hmm. happened. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, what mm -hmm. kind of happened with you, if you don't mind asking? So yeah, so I was in prep 2016 for the universe, and I think I was like four weeks out, and my dad passed away. Like suddenly, it wasn't expected, and I'd like, I'd like maybe a week of thinking what am I going to do what am I going to do am I going to continue with this prep like I've come so far would he want me to quit so it just kind of just switched to autopilot and it just kept ticking the boxes as much as I could I wasn't I know definitely wasn't 100% on the ball or you know on point with food and stuff it kind of just gave me um structure and you know I would it was like, I'm, I've all, I'm, because I've always danced, I've always trained every day, whether it's dancing or it's in the gym. And I still felt like 
if I had a reason to still go to the gym and train, then I had to go to the gym and train. And I remember like three days after he died, I was in the gym on the stairmaster, sweating so bad and crying my eyes out that no one knew. But it, I felt better afterwards, you know, and, and I'm not someone who was very good at sitting around and doing nothing. And my coping mechanism is to do and to continue. And I just thought there was just something inside of me that just thought, you know what, if I can still do this and get on stage and make this happen, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. I can get through anything if I can do this. And I did it. Like, did I bring my best package? No. Did I care? Not really. Was I proud as hell that I was on that stage? And did I think that he would be proud of the air up there? 100%. And it was such a, it was such a pinnacle moment for me because I literally felt like, okay, I think, I don't even know where I placed, like maybe third or something. No, uh, maybe, no, maybe like fourth or fifth. I just remember thinking like, well done. Like you made this choice by yourself. No, like obviously had my family and my friends and stuff supporting us, but no one made you get up and go to the gym every day. You know, you found some kind of deep, 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 strength to go and push yourself through that and after that I really think once I got through that I think that any prep after that felt easy yeah because you know there's oh god the grief of losing a loved one you know yourself like it's it's so 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 difficult and I think after that uh, I was able to take myself to dark dark places during prep Mm. and it didn't feel so dark because, well, my mum's still alive, my brother's still alive, you know, like I hadn't lost anyone during this prep. Um, so, so yeah, that was a pinnacle moment. And then I had another prep where I was, was it the world? It was after, oh, so after the world and I was prepping for the universe, I was I was I was in an, an abusive relationship, which obviously you know it's something we've talked about in depth before. And when I was in prep for the the, the universe the following year, I I was waiting to go to court to go to trial, which was that was that time was probably harder than um, my dad dying because it was just such an uncertainty and it was like I just I suffered a lot with anxiety and it was just something that I carried with me all of the time and it was something that wasn't going to shift until I'd gone to court and got the final decision and whilst I was doing that I was impressed as well and I just feel like I think the prep was again a coping mechanism for me and it just got me through it gave me routine purpose I just remember during that time I was a mess like skin was a mess I looked terrible uh I was going through such an ordeal and again get through this Emma get through anything yeah crack crack on get it done come on you've got this so yeah that was another another really challenging moment that you know I came out the other side I remember one of my friends saying to me at the time you know it will come to pass and it's something that always stuck with me and I always just held out hope that you know, we go we go through a shit storm, we go through a bad time, but it's got to end at some point, right? Yeah. It's got to come to an end. And each time they did, and every time I came out of it, even stronger. So, yeah, there's, some, there's something to be said about getting through a prep where you've got some real 
other deep dark shit going on. Yeah, I think you're very um, about yourself though sometimes, but for the for, for the better as well. Definitely for the better mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And talk to us about you've obviously just mentioned about your previous experience in domestic abuse. Talk to us about female force because that yes, so amazing organisation that you started. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Female Force is something I founded not so long ago, maybe about six months ago, really. And I just decided that I was really in a place where I was ready. I always knew, like, after my own experience, I wanted to use my platform to somehow help others. Didn't exactly know how. I didn't know how I would do it or what it would be. And I started to kind of share my experience through my social media. And the response that I got from it was overwhelming, but overwhelming to the point of where I realized there's a lot of females that have either gone through this that are, that are going through it. At that stage, when I started to talk about my own experience, I still didn't know what I could do to help. But I wanted to do something. So um, I set up a charity called Female Force. The goal is with Female Force is to inform other females of the warning signs, red flags of of domestic violence, the the different elements of it, and also then to run a program where I can get a vast number of females together to inform and then also teach self-defense so that if someone does find themselves in that position that they can hopefully somehow defend themselves because I don't know in that situation if I know what I know now would I have defended myself who knows like you just don't know in the moment but I feel like if I can at least help one female or 10 females then it's more than worth it and it's something that I really want to make a difference and leave some sort of legacy with it so yeah that's the goal so just raise as much awareness as possible let females know like what is right and wrong and you know what you should and shouldn't accept in a relationship because sometimes you know the the lines can be blurry and um, also how you can get help how you can protect where you can go to and just just create like a platform that gives all that information out as much as possible so yeah so it's taken obviously because of the situation that we're in with with COVID-19 taking a little bit of a, a not a back seat but side seat and so we um uh, we advertise for funding so i can really make a difference initially in the community got a little team on board you know, that you know helping me with logo design and and doing the applications for the funding bids and of course i've had yourself in and we've um yeah. just recorded some content and shared our stories which you know is something that i'll use and, and it's just really a case of the girl just use my platform just to help others yeah i help them in other ways as well and i think i remember saying this when we did the filming it's like you even if you've not been in a domestic abusive relationship yourself just for you knowing having a, a, a certain level of understanding with the warning signs and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. like you could be helping someone else who could exactly be who could be in that position that you actually don't actually realize what's going and they don't realize what's going on like honestly it's a fantastic fantastic organization so i'll definitely leave the details below as well so please do go and and follow i want to finish this on a quick fire question but you're going to laugh because my first question was what is your typical starbucks order but we've already answered oh we got that already (laughs) (laughs) okay so we've got one two three four five okay are you ready 
I'm ready. Okay. Best item brought in lockdown? Oh, I just bought a Theragun. Nice. Oh, I've got another one, actually. Well, I bought a dog razor so I can cut my own dog's hair. And then I also used it on my boyfriend and gave him a face. Ah! She doesn't only cut hair. She's a barber as well. God, multiple. Dog groomer, barber, hairdresser. Multiple streams of income. (laughs) What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given from someone? Ooh, best piece of advice. No regrets. Love that. Uh, what is your favourite Disney movie? I'm going to go with, like, My Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh, I was not expecting that. I love that. Um, if you had to host a dinner party, what would we be eating? Sushi. Nice. What about dessert, then? Ooh, dessert. Some sort of, like, um, like, some sort of chocolate fudge cake with... Chocolate fudge cake with ice cream and the chocolate fudge cake would be a little bit warm. I like that. I like that. If you were going to be a male competitor for a day, which class would you compete in and why? Oh, classic. All day long. I love classic. And last question, but you've already been prepped with this, so you've got a bit of an advantage. Uh, What makes you not just a bikini girl? I've never been a bikini girl. (laughs) Yes! So usually I don't prep my guests, and I thought, no, today I'm going to prep them because it usually throws them off. But Erin... Thank you so much, baby, for coming on. I hope this has been fun for y'all. I've loved it. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So you're starting to come back into the studio now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to ease back in with a very loose skeleton system. Um, got safety precautions in place, all the measures and stuff. So yeah, loosely get back into the studio and then just a slow a slow release back there. But Skype's still readily available and you know everything everything is on the website. Fantastic. So I'll leave all her details below and she is also on the compact website with all her amazing YouTube resources which are just like a godsend. I wish I freaking had some. I always just think back, God, these youngsters now, they've got it so Damn it. They've got it so good. If only they knew. I know. I know. But thank you so much for coming on, babe. And thank you to everyone Pleasure. that has listened. Please do go and subscribe and do all that fun stuff. Stay safe, stay positive, and we'll see you in the next episode.